access. Jesus is calling us to transformation, health, and justice. And in this series, we're following Pastor Rich Viola's book, The Deeply Formed Life, highlighting five foundational practices that are necessary as we follow Jesus in the things he's called us to in 2021. And always, contemplative spirituality, racial reconciliation, self-examination, sexual wholeness. And today, we get to close out with our final, our foundational, our critical, necessary discipline, the practice of missional presence. Missional presence. Living as if God had sent us. Living on purpose as people sent by God to embody God's purposes wherever we are. Today's text comes to us from the time of the Babylonian captivity. It's in Jeremiah 29. If you're going to read it on paper, you can turn to Jeremiah 29.1. It's also in the chat. Let's be honest. You're just going to read it in the chat. That's okay. That's fine. Jeremiah 29.1. The people of Judah have been conquered and carried into exile by the powerful Babylonian empire, that global superpower of the day. And Judah... You know, this is what the Judean people are experiencing. They've gone from being an up-and-coming nation, like a nation with some potential, a nation with some power, a nation that was starting to be a player on the global scene, and suddenly they are a marginalized, traumatized minority in a strange land, a country and a culture they don't understand. And many of their popular prophets start declaring that Soon, God is going to restore them to power. Soon, they'll be on the come up once again. And and, and soon, God will make Judah great again. That's what this is. They believe that God will make Judah great again. And uh, fam, that's not even about a specific ideology. That's not even about a specific party. Um, We see this pattern repeat itself throughout history. After losing social power... The group assumes that God's will is to return them to some mythical, idealized, former glory. Pick a country. Pick an era. Pick a religion. Human beings do it over and over again. And the Judeans in exile were no different, at least until God spoke to them. But in fact, at this point, they believed that within a few months, God was going to return them to their home. But then God spoke. And and when God's people were hoping for a quick fix, when they were hoping to reclaim their social power the way they imagined the past was, when they were hoping to regain the comforts of the earlier days, God spoke these words in Jeremiah 29. And as I read the word this morning, uh, I invite you to... Uh, Place your spirit in a posture of receptivity. If you want to read along in the chat, or if you want to just close your eyes and listen, um, if you want to keep your eyes open and contemplate the world around you, however you do it, let's give our full attention to the reading of God's Word in Jeremiah chapter 29. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, 
and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Moving to verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, who plants and who uproots. Holy God, who tenderly guards us, but also moves us. We come to you this morning uh, with gratitude, spirits lifted up by sunshine, able to celebrate the improving health of people we love, things to look forward to, much happening in our world. And in the midst of that, we pray that the words spoken through uh, your prophet Jeremiah, recorded for us in the book of Scripture, would become a living word that speaks into our lives and speaks into our situation. Spirit of God, speak through the word of God to the people of God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Mm. God did not want to make Judah great again. God did not want the people to return to their power and their comfort. God was not going to whisk them away in a hurry. In fact, he said, start acting like you're going to be here a long time. Because you're going to be here long enough to have some grandbabies in this same town. Because in God's wisdom, God understands that the only way for us to be whole, healthy human beings, the only way for us to live and participate in thriving communities is for God's people to live with missional presence. And God sends his people on mission for the sake of our wholeness and for the wholeness of the world. Rich Biola says it this way. He says, Our lives are to be joined with God in love, in contemplation, in surrender, in obedience, and out of that, in loving service and mission to the world. Out of that. that this is the natural result of contemplating God. The natural result of learning to love one another across the the realities of racial injustice, the natural result of examining ourselves and, and learning to bring our sexuality uh, under the lordship of Jesus, the natural result of that is loving service and mission in the world. And I want to highlight this because I think there's a tendency with our spirituality to believe that it's like all for my own well-being, okay? 
It's also that I can do better, be better, feel better. And look, that does happen. I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't be here if it didn't. Uh, However, the shape, the shape in which God has created the universe is this. If we don't practice missional presence, we're actually less whole. We're actually less complete. Because doing and being work together like the pedals of a bicycle. As Jesus forms us, Jesus sends us. And as Jesus sends us, Jesus forms us. Living as the embodied witness of God's love for the world doesn't just bless the planet. It blesses us. Jesus loves us so much that he sends us on his mission to make us whole as we seek the wholeness of the world. Now, real quick, I know we have some critical thinkers here and critical thinkers need me to address the hard reality about what the church has historically called missions, right? Anybody? Anybody just kind of, I'm talking and you're like, hey, I don't know about this like mission word. I have a bad taste in my mouth about that. Let's talk about that. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who led a nonviolent movement to end apartheid in South Africa, described the problem this way. He said, when the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said, let us pray. We closed our eyes and when we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. Those who had uh, described themselves as sent by God stole the land from the people. Religion was a way for them to manipulate others and to abuse their power. Here in the USA, author James Baldwin looked at white Christians who spoke of liberty and justice for all, and he said quite memorably, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. So we have to ask, how can we, as the people of God, practice missional presence in a way that is liberating? How can we, as the people of God, practice missional presence in a way that brings wholeness to who we are, as well as those to whom we are sent? Jeremiah's word to the community of exiles gives us a path to follow. We must practice missional presence, but it must be in a liberating way and and a way that brings wholeness to the world and to us. And we can do that. I, uh, I believe the path is this, that we would notice God, that we would notice where God is already at work. Notice where God is already moving. Notice how God is is already blessing people. And then that we would image Eden, and I'm going to talk about this in a second, that we would begin to make the world a little bit more like God created it to be. And finally, that we would give our hearts. The planet is not a project. People are not projects. Our neighborhoods are not projects. Mission is not something for us to complete. It it involves giving our hearts, loving deeply the people God puts in our lives, One of the things that has messed up our sense of mission is the doctrine of discovery. 
And uh, I'm indebted to my mentor, Uncle Jim Sakira, as well as uh, Lenore Three Stars, you all know her, and other indigenous mentors for pointing out the importance of this. Uh, bottom line, European conquerors uh, were totally close to the idea that God could be present and active in places that were not Christian. And so this influenced the colonization of the Americas, it influenced Manifest Destiny in the USA. It influenced colonization of Africa, the South Pacific, you name it. It still influences the way that believers think about missions sometimes. And it influences the way that we think about evangelism sometimes. What's crazy is that it's not a biblical idea. I'm, just, I'm beside myself. I am beside myself. The scriptural testimony says that God is present everywhere. God is active everywhere, even in places that cost believers social influence and privilege. Where in the book does it say that God's people are supposed to be on top? When they are, it never lasts for long. 66 books in our Protestant scriptures, 64 of them are written by the oppressed for the oppressed. And two of them are are written to warn us that you know being rich and powerful is not all that. As we say uh, in Godly Play, if you remember Godly Play from our pre-COVID days, God is in all times and all places. God is in all times and in all places. And if we want to practice missional presence in a way that brings wholeness to ourselves and others, the first thing we need to do is notice God. Notice God. Yeah, the whole earth is full of his glory. I see the chat there. Easy to believe on a sunny day. You can see it. You can feel it. Uh, the fact in this passage, um, God actually takes credit. God takes credit for sending his people into exile. Like even in your difficulties, even in the midst of injustice, even in the midst of, of incredible anxiety, I am present and I am, and I am active. Wherever we go, God's already active, already doing stuff. There's no place we can go, no situation we can encounter where that's not true. See, God's people, we can, we can relieve ourselves of the incredible burden of being saviors. Okay, we can relieve ourselves of being uh, uh, burdened and crushed by the need to be the ones to enact justice on planet Earth. See, the Savior, the bringer of justice, is already wherever we're going to be. Is already wherever we are. Amen? And so what we need to do is notice. Notice that God is there and then begin to follow God's lead. Look, if God has placed in our hearts a love for justice... Let's notice where God is already bringing justice and let's follow God there. If God has placed in our hearts a desire for healing, let's notice where God is already healing folks and let's follow Jesus there. If God has placed in our hearts a desire for people to have a living and vibrant faith in Jesus, let's notice where God is already bringing people to faith. And let's follow God there. Let's notice God. The next practice, the, the next way to practice missional presence um, in a way that brings wholeness to the world and to ourselves 
is to image Eden. Uh, check out verses 5 and 6 real quick. It says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, etc., etc. Multiply there. Do not decrease. In exile, God says, I want you to take this city that you've been carried to, this strange city that you don't know, this urban center where the language is different, the culture is different, and I want you to make it a little bit more like the Garden of Eden. He's actually, at Jeremiah 29, 5 and 6, is actually remixing Genesis 1, 27 through 29. Uh, let me read that real quick. Okay, it says, God created humankind in his image, the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. Check this out. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. All right? So he's saying multiply. Um, and then uh, verse 29, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Multiply, make a garden. It's the same instructions, right? It's a garden that people take care of. It's a home where they live together. And Jeremiah says, my people in exile, I want you to do what God said to do in the beginning. Take care of this place. Live there a long time. Grow food. Make babies. Get old and become grandparents. In the beginning, the garden is a place for human flourishing. And God says, just because you don't like how you got here, just because you don't like the way it is right now, doesn't get you off the hook. Image Eden. Facilitate human flourishing. Missional presence. And, and, and we need to get this. And I'm just going to say this because your hearts already know this. Your spirit already know this. But so I'm just going to say it explicitly. Missional presence does not mean taking power. It does not mean winning the culture war. Amen? It doesn't mean restoring the nation to a past mythical glory. It means creating spaces for humans to live well. Because that has always been God's will. That has always been God's will. And, and, and th listen, we're doing this already, okay? Pastor Rich gives us like four different examples. And I'm like... Church, you're doing that. It looks like hospitality. Now, hospitality is, is tough in pandemic times, but we find ways. Because it's not about sharing a building. It's about sharing our hearts. We open our hearts to each other. We, we make space for others with our time and resources. We host small groups online or socially distanced. We, we share our Zoom account with the PTA of the Whitman Elementary, hello somebody. Uh, we send each other meals when somebody's under the weather. We make space for others with our time and with our resources. It looks like hospitality and it looks like justice. You know, justice, we always like to watch the highlight reel of justice, right? We just want to wait for like, you know, the march on Washington or when the farm, the farmer signed the papers with the farm. We want the highlight reel. But justice happens in little ways all the time. Andrea highlighted for us last week the wave of anti-Asian hate crimes 
during this pandemic, right? And in the last month, nine Asian-owned businesses in East Portland were vandalized. I've, I've been to one of them, uh, Fujiyama on 82nd. That's some bomb sushi. They were, they were targeted. So here's a little way I'm going to seek justice this afternoon. And I invite you to join me in sending a financial gift to the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon, APANO. And the link's going to pop in the chat if you want to grab it right now. You can just send them a, fall, a small financial gift because they're working with those businesses to cover some of those costs, uh, you know, to repair for the damages and whatnot. We create spaces for human flourishing. We image Eden when we seek justice. Looks like hospitality. Looks like justice. And guess what? This might get a mixed response, but it also looks like work. It looks like work. Work gets overlooked. Look, as, as a pastor, it's easy for me to believe that God only cares about us praying and reading scripture. I mean, that's my jam. I'm like, let's do that all day, every day. Uh, but look, you already know that that is not all that life requires. In fact, God made us to do good work and we cannot flourish without it. So I'm going to quote Pastor Rich here because he goes into full preaching mode. He's usually like a very thoughtful writer, but this part of the book he started preaching. So I was like, I'm just going to take this, copy paste. Listen to what Pastor Rich says. He says, if you're an accountant, you count your numbers with care as if you're doing Jesus bookkeeping. If you're a car salesperson, you sell that car as if you're selling it to Christ. Wow. For computer programmers, it is Jesus' computer you are working on. Construction managers, it is Jesus' house you are building. Sanitation workers, you pick up all the garbage that fell out of the can because it's Jesus' street you're cleaning. Educators, hello educators, May's going back to in-person instruction tomorrow, pray for her. Educators, Jesus is one of your students, amen? Musicians, play or create to bring Christ joy. And hairdressers, it's Jesus' hair you're cutting. The list goes on. We work for Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Like, wow, Pastor Rich, that was a good sermon. Let, let me keep going. Medical professionals, all right? I see Veronica. I see Alice. Hello. I see Erin. There she is. She's over there. Yeah, look. Coaches. Consultants. Students, yes, students, stay-at-home parents, baristas, artists. We create space for human flourishing. We image Eden when we do good work. And finally, we image Eden when we proclaim the kingdom of God. Because as we are creating the space for human flourishing, and hospitality, and justice, and doing good work, God is going to open up opportunities to proclaim who God is and what God is doing. Can I get a witness? If you've experienced this, would you wave at me? I see some thumbs. I see some hands. Uh, people will get curious. People may even become open. They're going to want to know how and why we do these things. 
and how we do it the way we do and why we do it the way we do. And family, Jesus is our how and Jesus is our why. So when that opportunity comes, I know some of us have baggage. I've got some evangelism baggage. But when that opportunity comes, let's not be afraid to use our words to say who God is and what God is doing. And let me encourage us today. This is a shift for me, and I want to share it with you. Don't feel like you have to say the exact right thing about Jesus. Don't feel like you have to crush the theology. Don't feel like you have to be clever. I think it's way more important to be authentic. Authentically, I'm an unbelievably cheesy person. I am just so cheesy. So if I talk about Jesus, you better believe it's going to be cheesy. I'm going to witness the glory of Christ through a series of dad jokes. I mean, that's just being honest. Okay, so I think I've jacked up my efforts to share Christ by trying to be clever. I think I, think I messed that up. I think that was a mistake. Because the people God brings into our lives, people with whom we're going to have this chance to use our words to share Jesus, they don't need to be manipulated by us. God is already calling them. They just need to see a person authentically loving and being loved by God. Amen? We proclaim. We proclaim Jesus. We image Eden. We create spaces for human flourishing with hospitality, with justice, with good work, and authentically sharing Christ. Missional presence brings wholeness to the world and to us when we notice God, when we image Eden, and finally, when we give our hearts. That's my last point before we close. Verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Pour your heart out to God for your city, says the prophet. Pray to God for your city, says the prophet. Ask the Lord to bless your city. That word welfare in our translation comes from the Hebrew word shalom. It's, and it's there three times. It's like shalom, shalom, shalom. It means increasing wholeness or completion of God's intention. It means making the world the way God wants it to be. And God says your city's welfare, the welfare of these strangers you don't know, these people who don't share your culture and your language, your welfare and their welfare are one thing. It is one thing. So pray for them like you're praying for you, because you are. We give our hearts when we recognize that the city is not a project for us. It's a home. Missional presence is not about pushing for a desired outcome. It's about recognizing that we are connected to all our neighbors. And together we are a people deeply in need of God's shalom. When our hearts are given to our neighbors, we don't just, you know, try to crank out the work and then move on. When our hearts are given to the city, we, we don't just move on from living as a people sent by God when it gets inconvenient. 
theologian and musician, uh, Reverend Siku. If you haven't checked out his stuff, it's, it's pretty wild. He has this incredible song about resisting police brutality. It's called Neighbor. Listen to these really, these simple lyrics. He says, I can hear my neighbor crying, saying, I can't breathe. And now I'm in the struggle, saying, I can't leave. Now I'm in the struggle, saying, I can't leave. Can we hear our neighbors crying? Crying for justice. Crying for healing. Crying out to know that they are loved by their creator. When our hearts are given to missional presence, we see that our welfare, our shalom, is wrapped up in the shalom of our neighbor. And we can't leave. So let our mission not be a project for us or an objective to complete. Let it be a heartfelt solidarity with those whom God has called us to love. Amen? As we practice missional presence, Jesus goes before us. Jesus creates human flourishing around us, and he gives his heart to us and to our neighbor. And he gives it so fully that he was willing to die so that the world could be made whole and we could too. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we recognize this morning that our well-being and our neighbor's well-being is one thing. Forgive us for the ways we've seen ourselves as standalone individuals. Forgive us for the ways that we have seen uh, our faith and our mission as an objective to complete or a, a project to take on. Instead, Holy Spirit, let our hearts be kindled. Let our hearts be kindled by the love that's expressed in hospitality and in justice and in doing good work and in telling our neighbors that God loves them. Spirit of God, thank you that you are the one who goes before us. You are the one who carries us here, surrounds and fills us now. So may our lives become an embodiment of the presence of Jesus in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhood. And all God's people said, Amen.